The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome to class two of our study and practice series where we're looking at the Anapanasati Sutta. For those of you who don't know, I'm Diana Clark, and this is my good friend and uh, companion in uh, these studies and investigations, Ying. And maybe we'll start by um, handing the microphone around and just having everybody say their names. Yes, thank you for moving in here. Hi, my name is Lilu. Brian. Anne. Dora. Susan. I'm Bill. Stan. Beverly. Linda. John. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. Hi, I'm Barbara. Hi, I'm Barbara. It's nice to see you all. For those of you who were here last week, and not everybody was, and that's fine, that um, there were four of us here, and you may be wondering, well, where's everybody else? (laughs) So um, these classes are going to, depending on the topic that we're discussing, there'll be a a different way in which they're organized and different activities that we'll be doing. And the four of us teachers, there'll be different groups or permutations of us four. There won't be all four of us again until the last class. So um, there'll be two or three of us um, for the next ones. So today, it's just me and Ying. Then maybe I'll just give a really high-level overview of what we talked about last week. That is for the Anapanasati Sutta, Majjhima Nikaya 118. We talked about the, I forgot the exact word that we would use, but I'll just say this word, like the preface, the beginning, the setup of the sutta. That is, that it's a setting in which is after the ends of the rains retreat and there are a bunch of monastics practicing together and they're helping each other. And the Buddha is quite pleased with what he sees and he says that there's a number of people we don't know how many monastics are there that have attainments who really are practicing and they're seeing some fruits and benefit uh, from their practice and he describes that they're doing a number of different practices a lots of different practices then after this long list he says well mindfulness of breathing is of great fruit and great benefit that's kind of where we left it last week, just with the setting and with this um, encouragement to think about, consider, what are the preliminaries for doing a meditation practice? And maybe I'll add what role um, practicing with others has. In the sutta, there's an emphasis on community of people coming together, and we're all here together. And this class is born out of Ying Kim uh, David and I just loving to study the suttas and practice together is something that we, the four of us do and we just thought we would uh, bring it to more of you. Is there something you'd like to say, Ying, as part of, kind of the introduction before we open it up for comments or questions? Uh, yeah, maybe just a, a quick a few words about the uh, uh, what we asked everybody to do at home <laughs> was to find creative ways of reading the sutta as a way to practice it as well. 
And so using it as guided meditation, and uh, we kind of tried it uh, a little bit last time uh, when, uh, when we were here, reading some portions of it, and uh, even just the preliminary portions of it. Uh, the instructions in the sutta was, uh, gone to the forest or the root of the tree or empty hut and uh, sit down. Uh, having folded his legs uh, crosswise, uh, crosswise, set his body erect and established mindfulness in front of him. And so that was kind of some of part of the preliminary uh, steps before the, uh, the formal instructions on mindfulness of breathing. Um, so you know, we're curious <laughs> how that went uh, for some of you who were doing yeah, so for those of you who were here, maybe and maybe you did that, maybe you thought about recording yourself, um, reading this out loud and using it as part of as a guided meditation. Maybe you spent a little time with the preliminaries. What do you do um, in order to, before you meditate, to kind of like start the meditation process? And even if you weren't here last week, maybe you'd like to share your experience, your thoughts, your ideas about guided meditations, maybe guiding yourself, or, or um, your thoughts of preliminaries. What, what are the ways in which you get established in meditating? And we'll use the microphones. I'm not sure it did not turn on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, you know, I was looking at my dog, and before he goes to sleep or settles down for you know a serious rest, he always circles three times. I don't know if this has come up before, but I was like, oh, preparation for <laughs> meditation. That you know, that was, it was something that I suddenly could relate to was watching my dog do this ritual to settle in and so then when I was um, settling in this image came to mind oh I love it thank you (laughs) it's a natural thing to kind of like have a little something that we do before we uh, get settled anybody else have a comment Jim pass the mic um Maybe yeah, raise your hand. Yes. I, I don't remember. Did he say to, to close your eyes in the sutta? The, the sutta did not say close your eyes. Yeah. So I'm. I'm um, so you know, it says because this phrase I've heard it before. So in the forest or at the root of a tree, and it always comes to mind because I um, recently planted a, a garden in the backyard of a cottage that I rent, and it's it's beautiful. I've never done it before. And, and it's spring, and so um, I go out there, and I, I sit there to meditation, and I'm, I'm not going to close my eyes, and it's it's really beautiful. And I think, well, isn't that maybe, you know, he went to a forest or the root of a tree, but then sometimes you hear other kinds of Buddhist literature that makes you think that's bad because it does sort of make you think a lot about how beautiful the surroundings are or be distracted by butterflies or, or, or flowers or something. Best I could think it was sort of like meta-meditation, but... I wondered if it was okay, you know. 
It's absolutely okay, and we're going to talk about this a little bit today, okay. about kind of pleasure, why we're meditating, okay. or pleasure is part of meditation, so I say go for it. <laughs> All right. Um, my mind is uh, almost never still when I sit down to meditate, and um, maybe I'm a little antsy too. Um, so um, uh, one thing I've found that helps a little bit is for me to think of people uh, that I've seen meditating who seem extraordinarily still um, and maybe even happy. Uh, so uh, I try to emulate them. Vertical posture, relaxed, uh, happy, and that stillness, I hope, will rub off on me. It does a little bit. Nice. So you bring to mind something inspiring or someone that's inspiring. Fantastic. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, that's great. I've seen more. You know, I've seen several. You've seen several. <laughs> Happy to hear that. Um, Susan, again. So something that has helped me. So for a long time, I was, you know, focusing on the breath in and out. I think that's what I was first taught. Um, and then I found I needed something kind of different or to mix it up a little bit and I started focusing on just the cyclic pattern of waves and I'm a very visual person so I do close my eyes but I visualize kind of like the the rhythm of waves coming in and crashing and then going out and leaving all the little holes in the sand so I just visualize that cycle as the in and the out part and I find it's very stilling nice, nice visualization yeah. to help kind of getting settled yeah said so Linda once yeah. usually when I sit down to meditate um, I'm coming from a busy life and I feel scattered so I do find it really helpful to just have a sense of collecting my energy um, and I will take some deep breaths at the beginning of my meditation and sometimes I'll extend the length of the exhale um, because that tends to um, engage the parasympathetic nervous system and then also if I, depending on the length of time I'm going to be meditating I'll sometimes do a body scan it might be a briefer body scan or it might be a very detailed body scan. So that is a form of guided meditation that I just lead myself through. Nice, nice. Yeah. Thank you. And I have other concentration techniques too. So that's great. What I heard is uh, you know, you're all engaging this in um, various ways. So there's no one way that people settle into uh, the practice. But uh, it takes a little bit of uh, um, intentional awareness to see what works for you in that particular condition, right? And and sometimes it's sitting in the garden uh, that brings. Uh, but it's if you know it's really cold, rainy day, it may not work. And so, so for um, this part of the sutta was for really evoke for me was this sense of, oh, really know what are the conditions 
uh, that the support us to do the deeper unfolding of our inner being uh, in this med- meditative fashion. Yeah. So maybe I'll just say a few things to introduce what we're going to do today. So today is going to be a focus on practice. We're going to have less talking than we did last week. And, and there will be some days where there's more talking and we'll do more of the study and what do these words mean and how do we interact with them. But today we're going to have like focus on experiential with uh, working with the experience. And Ying and I will do some guided meditations and as a way to help you engage with the material and, and to experience it. Are there any other questions or comments that you have at this moment? Um, I just, um, can you use the microphone, Anne? I was excited to look ahead um, in the one and two, the first two tetrads. And so, although we're going to have experiential, I hope you're going to talk about uh, bodily formations and mental formations, right? Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit. Okay. I I would say this question about what's a bodily formation and what's a mental formation is universal. Or is it, what is this? Any other questions? And if not, maybe we'll move into uh, introducing um, the instructions of mindfulness of breathing. And before we do that, uh, what I'll do is kind of give you a a brief overview of the uh, instructions that the Buddha gives to the uh, to the Sangha, and there, uh, there are 16 steps uh, in the uh, Anapana uh, practice, Sati practice. It's a, a somewhat of a progressive um, a set of instruction. That is, it systematically moves one um, in particular way, and settling, gradual settling of the body and the mind, gradually simplifying kind of from the uh, more um, activities to lesser and lesser activities. So there is this um, movement of gradual letting go, gradual settling, and gradual calming. And, and this is 16 steps is kind of gradually building one upon uh, another. And it starts with noticing are paying attention, becoming aware of bodily kind of sensations related to the breath, and then moving to the mental world gradually. And so this, as we do this over the next few weeks, um, even today we're going through, whoa, we're doing a fast speed <laughs> process here. We're going to go through eight steps out of the 16. Um, But what I invite you is to um, maybe invite yourself or open yourself to this gradual process 
that is moving from uh, maybe more activity to uh, lesser doing and more settling and more of a, a calming process. Yeah. And so today, and we will go through this uh, with our experiential process, um, but I would invite you to kind of open up to that process, uh, gradual settling. And what I would invite is maybe uh, if someone would uh, like to read uh, the, uh, um, maybe the preliminary and the uh, first four uh, steps, first, uh, first tetras, that would be great. Anybody wants to read? Do you want to give the, oh, you don't have the paragraph numbers. The yeah, I don't have numbers. the uh, paragraph numbers here. So numbers 17 and 18 yeah. here, Abhikyu, gone to the forest. Right, yeah. 17, number 17 and 18. So what is 18? Is 18 breathing is in Breathing in long, yes. Mm-hmm. All the way to bodily formation. Yes. Here, Abhikyu. Gone to the forest, or to the root of a tree, or to an empty hut, sits down, having folded his or her legs crosswise, set his or her body erect, and established mindfulness in front of him or her. Ever ever mindful, he breathes in. Mindful, she breathes out. Breathing in long, she understands. I breathe in long. Or breathing out long, he understands. I breathe out long. Breathing in short, she understands. I breathe in short. Or breathing out short, he understands. I breathe out short. He trains thus. I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body of breath. He trains thus. I shall breathe out experiencing the whole body of breath. She trains thus, I shall breathe in, tranquilizing the bodily formations. She trains thus, I shall breathe out, tranquilizing the bodily formation. Thank you. Now the first part of um, uh, the sutta talks about this uh, movement of preparing ourselves for this practice. Um, going uh, to the forest or root of the tree, empty hut, uh, finding a suitable location, um, and sits down. Folded legs, set the body erect, and establish mindfulness right in front of him or her. And so this is a process of inviting ourselves to be here and now. And it, it takes us a few steps to really settle in, and we can use that as a somewhat of a, a reference point for ourselves also. You know, taking a few long deep breaths, if that helps, with uh, settling into the present moment. And that can be one of the conditions too, uh, preliminaries as well. Or using whatever tools and rituals that might help us to bring ourselves right here 
and those are supportive. And now, um, as we kind of settle into on this present moment, and the instructions start to unfold. Breathing in long, she understands. I breathe in long. Breathing out long, he understands. I breathe out long. And so on for short, breathing in and short, breathing out. And so the key word here is that of understands. And there's also a translation of knowing, knows, he knows or she knows. And so to me, uh, this is a very light touch, but it's also quite specific. That is, when we're when we're doing this practice, mindfulness of breathing, it begins by begin to pay careful attention to our breath. I wasn't very kind of abstract, you know, because we all breathe in and out, but really pay careful attention to what is happening right now and know what is happening right now. And so that's the part of the, the mindful awareness that is starting to happen. And it's very light touch. And um, this part of the instruction is not about to change anything at all, but really recognize clearly what is happening right now. It's a light touch. If, it's, if you're breathing in um, he- heavy or shallow, so be it. Simply knows what is happening. And so being able to... D- somewhat differentiating what is happening in a level of a detail with what is happening without trying to change it. And so to me, this part of the instruction has to do with beginning to bring, bring in some sense of clarity in terms of what is happening with our breath. And then um, as we get to know our breath, and being able to clearly see on the characteristics of our breath, what is happening, uh, long, short, smooth, heavy, shallow, or rough. It can be whatever it is, but simply know it. And then the next set of instructions uh, begin to shift a little bit. And so we do this for a while, and we get to know what is happening in the present moment. And the next set uh, instruction says, she trains thus. I shall breathe in, experiencing the whole body of a breath. And he trains thus. I shall exp- uh, breathe out, experiencing the whole body of a breath. And now the, the key word changed a little. Um, from no, nose to trains, that training and learning. And so there is a little bit of orientation, a shift of orientation uh, in how we relate to. And so and the set of instruction, in fact, in the Chinese uh, parallel of this part of instruction, the entire uh, 16 steps, the four tests, 
expatriates were all using training or learning, because we are training our body and mind in certain way. So we're learning how to do this, and so train uh, trains us experience and uh, experiencing the whole body of the breath as we breathe in and as we breathe out. And here there are also differences in various translations. And sometimes um, people think it's the whole body. You know, as we breathe in, we're experiencing the whole body. Bhikkhu translation here is the experiencing the whole body of a breath, the entire breath. Uh, for me personally, um, Maybe for different people also, you may experience it differently. But what is inviting for us, at least for me, is to begin to experience or really get to closely pay attention to the breathing process entirely, entire process of breathing. And so, what, you know, not missing any part of the breath, breathing process. And so this inclusiveness of the, the whole breathing uh, process is being, um, uh, being articulated in here. And then sometimes people might be fe- feeling the breathing almost kind of a whole body. For me, oftentimes it's quite a big chunk of my body would feel uh, the breath. And for others, it may be kind of not so prominent. Whatever it is, it is an invitation for us to go become kind of immersed into the process of breathing. And so you can see, as we go through this process, maybe a lot of wandering thoughts fade away because we become so immersed in it. And a lot of preoccupations might kind of fade away if we kind of immerse ourselves in it. And so that's the, the next step. Right? And so we use this breathing in and out as the initiating process. So we settle into it. And then gradually we really immerse ourselves into it. And then the next uh, uh, two uh, steps of uh, the process is, again, training. It's a process of a training. Uh, training our mind. He trains thus. I shall breathe in, tranquilizing the bodily formations. And he trains thus. I shall breathe out, tranquilizing the bodily formations. The bodily formations is, you know, sometimes tricky. Um, but for me, it's a sense of, a lot of times when we talk about formations, it's kind of activities and things that are happening in the body. But as we begin to immerse into the process of breathing, a lot of the bodily activities can settle, kind of quiet down. You, you almost feel like your body is not so heavy and becomes kind of light and body is quiet. It doesn't feel like a lot of things going on in the body. And so the bodily formations Sometimes, for me, is to think of you know, a lot of activities. But there may be other ways to explain this. Diana may 
want to say a few words about that too. No, I would um, agree with you that there's lots of different ways. And I'll just say for me, experientially, sometimes rather than getting tangled up, I'm not sure what a bodily formation is, I'm just thinking about relaxing the body. (laughs) Something just keeping it simple. Yeah. Yeah. And this process is about tranquilizing and kind of quieting down. As we... um, the the uh, busy thoughts kind of fade away as we kind of settle in the breath. And gradually our body also settles. And our body settles, our mind settles. And so that's kind of progression that is happening. And so with that, um, we are going to do a uh, guided meditation. And so maybe I invite you all sitting in a comfortable posture and maybe take a few long deep breaths allow the body to be upright and yet at the same time relaxed. In the next couple of minutes, and use whatever tools that you, you usually use and to bring your awareness to the present moment and feel free to do so. A body scan or some deep, long breath or simply paying attention to the posture. And sometimes it's just a sense of settling and relaxing. Relaxing the the head, neck, shoulders, arms. And soften the torso and the legs and the feet. gently bring your attention to the process of a breathing wherever you might feel most prominent.
as you breathe in, simply notice whatever the quality of breathing in as is. Knowing warmth, short, long, pressure, expansion, whatever it may be. Just get to know it. And as you breathe out, simply aware of the quality of out-breath. Whatever may be most prominent. There's not a whole lot of trying to figure out. It's very intuitive. There is a no wrong breath or wrong characterization. Just whatever intuitively you know. As such,
if it helps to stay connected with the breath, you can use a, a label. Warmth, coolness, tingling. Stay connected. As your awareness settles with the breath, your connection with the breath is more continuous. Allow yourself to experience the entire process of the breathing. From the very beginning of the in-breath to the middle, and to the end. And notice there may be a gap between the in-breath and the out-breath. And then notice the beginning of the out-breath. And the middle and the end of the out-breath. There may be another gap. Allow your mind, train the mind to experience the whole breath. Sometimes it's as if lowering ourselves into the breath, the breathing body. Melting yourself in the breathing body. There is an intimacy with the breath. As we become more and more intimate with the breathing process, noticing the quieting down of the body. Maybe even the breath becomes lighter. 
maybe the bubbly energies in the body when we began the, this process have faded away and tranquilizing the bodily formations If needed, one can go through these steps repeatedly. Sometimes if we become preoccupied with thoughts, ideas, trying to figure things out, go back simply becoming aware clearly how you're breathing. Long, short, tensed, relaxed, There's a process of knowing and seeing clearly how we're breathing. It leads into and opens up to experiencing the whole, whole body of a breath. It's somewhat of a natural process. And then as we become intimate with the entire process of the breathing, there is a quieting down of all the other activities. In the body and in the mind. So there is a natural progression that is unfolding. 
as we pay careful, gentle attention to our breath. Notice that if we're eager or forcefully trying to put, push ourselves through the steps, it may not work. And so allow the steps become somewhat of a natural unfolding. It's a gentle orientation. In the last minute of the sit, see if you can become very intimate with the process of a breathing. Curious, gentle, light touch. Not to try to make anything happen. So we'll have a few minutes for uh, anyone to ask questions or share some comments if you'd like to. And how was that for you? Thank you. That was really helpful guided meditation for me. Um, yeah, one way I sort of understand it is um, in the beginning, there's you just want to connect with the breath somehow, and it for me it can feel just like one point of the breath or one aspect, and then as I was settling in more, then it became not just me connecting with the breath. It was just the the whole thing it was me or you know whatever. I mean, I like what you said, the comment of, as we do this, we might have to start over. <laughs> because I definitely noticed I would be sort of getting into it, and then I would have some thoughts. 
and then it was time to kind of start again and I um, I thought it was good thank you yeah thank you thank you for sharing yeah sometimes we stay in one one or two instructions for a long time yeah we were on the fast track for 20 minutes we went through this Anyone else like to share or ask a question? And there is another mic in in case you need it. Um, Last week we say the Buddha... Uh, see the monks have different practices and he thought highly of this one why is that? Um, well, we do know that there's a number of places in the suttas where it said that the Buddha himself practiced this but I don't think that we should think that it's the exclusive practice that he says you know, it's of great fruit and great benefit in the suttas there's lots of different practices, different types of meditation that um, can bring one to this movement of letting go and letting go I think um, this is a great question for us to explore for ourselves is, is it for us of great fruit and great benefit is kind of the expression that's being used, mindfulness of breathing. If I had to guess, I would say that, um, as Ying said, that these 16 steps are separated into four tetras, four times four. And the last um, step in each tetra, that is step four, eight, 12, and 16, are all about kind of relaxing, letting go, tranquilizing, calming. And that is the way to freedom. It turns out that same movement of tranquilizing, relaxing, letting go, relinquishing, that exact same movement is the movement towards freedom and liberation. So this is kind of like a progression that's helping um, support that movement towards liberation. Thank you. That's good. Maybe I'd just add a few words. I'd say maybe uh, also mindfulness of uh, breathing, or the breath is um, quite a universal tool in many traditions. And so, uh, in the, in, especially in India, uh, Hindu yoga, a lot of spiritual practices um, use breath as the tool. And so it's possible that you know, many people had exposure you know, back then to this uh, process and then this particular practice, and for Buddha, and this was a practice that really led um, quite a, uh, you know done quite well for for him, and um, it's a teaching he gave to his son as well, and so Rahula, and he gives the same same instruction, yeah. So there may, may be some background. And I recently heard uh, someone calling Anapanasati as uh, Anapanasati Yoga. <laughs> <laughs> so it's some form of asana, maybe, uh, in certain traditions. Just had a follow-up to that. Um, how could you maybe just say something about how this is different or the same from counting your breath which is another 
I guess, pretty widely practiced. And I don't know, is it in the suttas where elsewhere they talk about counting your breath, or is that more like a Zen? You know, if you could say something about that. For me, this seems to work a lot better than counting, but you could comment on that. Yeah, do you want to? Sure, I'll respond a little bit. I don't remember seeing any suttas doing counting. Oh, it's not in the suttas? Yeah. It's in the commentaries, though. So right. those, you know, about a thousand years later, the things that were written, they do talk about counting. Yeah. But it's not in the, it's not in this level of, or this era. Yeah. So um, over the time, there are lots of different techniques that have been developed to help kind of lead the way of a gradual settling, uh, becoming more collected. And counting for some people might, you know, some people's mind might work with it. And not for everybody. And for some people can be more busy than otherwise. Yeah. I think. I love Anapanasati. Great. And um, this book, Thich Nhat Hanh, has a translation of a Chinese translation that starts out with breathing in, I know that I am breathing in, breathing out, I know that I'm breathing out. And then the second step is breathing in a long breath or a short breath. I know whether it's a long breath or a short breath. And to my practice, it, this makes more sense. So that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now I've said my piece. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Stan, I think you're bringing up a, a good point that, you know, th- these are what's, you know, thousands of years mm-hmm. ago, but we do have to make them our own. So my, the invitation is to explore and experiment and um, become familiar with what the instructions are. But also, like, how does it work? Maybe there's times when it just doesn't work, and maybe there's times when it does. Or maybe it works fine if you just understand something a little bit different way. That's kind of what study and practice are, is this making them our own. So thank you, Sam. Beverly? I I don't want to spoil this, but I don't want the answer to be... Don't meditate on your breath. I I was actually a little bit brave signing up for this, so it kind of goes like this. And I've avoided a breath meditation for a while. Um, I I wonder if you're breathing in far enough. (laughs) Maybe you're not breathing in far enough, or can you get quite enough breath in, or maybe you're breathing too fast. I think I have to yawn, or I'll try to breathe in to be sure that I can breathe in far enough. Now, that's how a panic attack starts, and I've had them, and I'm not going to have a panic attack, don't worry. But it's like that, and it's why I've avoided doing my breath. And I've wanted to conquer that. It's like, you know, I, I really want to be able to meditate on my breath. But there is this barrier. I'm never, I'm not totally relaxed doing it. I, I don't yeah. get really peaceful. But yeah. <laughs> And then you can see, you know, even in the sutta, um, um, a lot of monks were practicing all different kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> so it was after this three-month retreat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what was taught, yeah. Um, 
No, I'm glad you mentioned this because breath meditation isn't for everybody. But if you do want to do it, we're in the next tetrad. It talks about some of this exactly what yeah. you were talking about, this mental activity that's related to the breathing yeah. that we're doing. Because I think I can do it. I think I'll be able to do it. But it's just not a slam dunk for me right away. Oh, wow, I love this meditation, the breath that makes me really relaxed. It, it doesn't quite. Yeah, yeah. And I also want to say, for us as practitioners, if we weren't in this class, I think the encouragement is to start where we are and to do a practice that works for us and that may change over the life of our meditation practice. I think you know that, Beverly. I'm just saying that out loud. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to move on to the second tetrad. So we're going to do, I'm going to talk a little bit and then we're going to do another guided meditation. But maybe, I don't know if most of you are sitting on the chairs. You're welcome to stand up and stretch for a minute if you want to because we're going to get settled again and sometimes that's uh, helpful to have moved to the body so that you don't uh, find yourself desperately wanting to wiggle or something like this. We get some of that out of the way uh, here. Hmm. So maybe I'll begin by saying reiterating something that Ying said is that sometimes we just are with the first two steps, just knowing the breath. Is it a long breath? Is it a short breath? So I'll just say that. So I'm going to guide us and talk about some other steps, but it doesn't mean that's where you are or what's appropriate for you at that moment. I'm doing this in the kind of like, you know, the pedagogy of how we're teaching this is some guided meditations. But still an invitation to explore and and just recognize that we're going at a certain pace that may not, it may, and it may not be the right pace for you, just with a kind of an opening. So would somebody like to read uh, section 19 that starts with, he trains thus, I shall breathe in, experiencing rapture. Would anybody like to read that? Lily, thank you. He trains thus, I shall breathe in, experiencing rapture. She trains thus, I shall breathe out, experiencing rapture. He trains thus, I shall breathe in experiencing pleasure. He trains thus, I shall breathe out experiencing pleasure. She trains thus, I shall breathe in experiencing the mental formation. She trains thus, I shall breathe out experiencing the mental formation. He trains thus, I shall breathe in tranquilizing the mental formation. He trains thus, I shall breathe out tranquilizing the mental formation. Great, thank you. There's a few things to say here. One is you'll notice that there's everything is breathing in and breathing out. So unlike in Satipatthana or mindfulness instructions, where we might say, let go with the breath and turn towards what's compelling, here the instructions are, stay with the breath. In the some kind of way, like maybe through your, I'll use this expression, like your peripheral vision, somehow know what else is going on. So this combination of knowing about breathing as well as knowing other experiences. So we're not letting go of the breath, we're having the breath be our companion. 
Having it be um, something that's going along with us on this journey. So some meditators might be a little bit surprised when they first learn like, oh, okay, here is this experiencing rapture and experiencing pleasure. We might have this idea, right, that somehow no pain, no gain or something. And that's actually exactly what's not here. I appreciate it very much that Ying was talking about a light touch. It's very much a light touch here. When we hear these words trains, there might be this idea that we have to you know, really strive and put tons of effort into it. Yes, there's some effort, but it's a really light effort. And so I'll, I'll remind us in the guided meditation not to feel like there's too much doing. It's a really light touch. So this word, experiencing rapture, um, Bikabodhi now translates that same word, piti, as joy. And this other word that's pleasure often gets translated as happiness. So joy and happiness. Some people switch them, that piti is happiness and sukha is joy. Some of the people I've heard like thrill or zest or some of these things. For the purpose of our meditation, I'm not going to make a big distinction. I think... Um, What's helpful is to just notice pleasant experiences. Pleasant, a sense of well-being, a sense of contentment, a slight sense of, ah, like this. It may not be your dominant experience. It may not be compelling. But with Anapanasati, there's this recognition that we can choose what we put our attention to. So here the invitation is to intentionally bring your attention to this sense of ease, a sense of well-being. I will say that when a person is really concentrated, and this usually happens in a retreat setting, not coming on a Wednesday afternoon here, but in a retreat setting, you you can sense a difference between this piti and sukha, between the rapture and the pleasure. And the Uh, The rapture, as the words maybe suggest, is a little bit more of an energetic feeling and pleasure is a little bit more calm feeling. So there's just this movement towards getting more and more settled even when we're feeling contentment or well-being. It's this movement towards more, being more and more quiet, still. So then the last two steps are experiencing mental formation and tranquilizing mental formations. Scholars and practitioners, there's lots of different ideas what a mental formation is, just in the same way there's different ideas of what a bodily formation is. For the purpose of the guided meditation, I'm just going to say mental activity. Just notice the things that are happening in the mind. Some people will, in a technical way, want to say that a mental formation is something that's related to a felt experience as a some mental activity that happens as a consequence of that. But I think in meditation practice, it's not really helpful to try to figure that out. The invitation, the encouragement here is just to notice what the mind is doing. Just to notice, like, oh yeah, you know, here this is, this is what thinking feels like. Or this is a memory, or this is a planning. And then just to soften or relax... So this encouragement to 
tranquilize the mental formation is step eight. There are seven preceding steps. So this is not something that one can just jump right in and do. And it's not an accident that there's knowing the breath, knowing the body and relaxing the body, knowing some pleasantness. All these things encourage just a quieting. And then noticing the mental activities and softening and tranquilizing the mental activities. I say this as a bit of encouragement. I'm going to lead us in a guided meditation. But just recognizing where we are and how things are unfolding. and This, this is definitely a process. Maybe I'll say this one more thing about um, build on what uh, one of you said in the introduction, that this idea of rhythm, I think this idea of rhythm can be really helpful. Lots of different rhythms happening here. One, of course, is the in-breath and the out-breath has a certain rhythm. There's a certain rhythm of um, becoming becoming more calm and then something happens we become a little bit less calm and then we become a little bit more calm and then maybe a little bit less maybe you're a little bit more calm than you were before so there's that kind of a rhythm too and there's also the rhythm of being lost in thought and then coming back to the breath being lost in thought this happens to all of us and coming back to the breath so can you allow yourself to kind of just be with the rhythm, like, oh yeah, this is the natural way this unfolds. This is how it is for all of us. And can there be just maybe a certain amount of delight, maybe that's too strong of a word, contentment, pleasure, and just being with these different types of rhythms without trying to make them be different or force them to be a particular way. Okay, so we'll do uh, another guided meditation here. So just as we did in the for the first guided meditation, is just to settle in. And again, you can use whatever way is comfortable, familiar, supportive, nourishing for you. It might be taking some long breaths. It might be doing a body scan. And with Anapanasati meditation, we can do this through exploring the length of the breath, maybe the qualities of it, maybe even the location of the breath. You can use this as a way to develop and sustain an interest in the breath, which allows us to just hang in there with the breath.
So beginning at the beginning of the 16 steps, just noticing the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath. Can you get to know the breath in a friendly, generous way? Feel the rhythm. Are your deep are your breaths deep or shallow, long or short? So now we can keep breathing, noticing the breath, and very gently, simply becoming aware of the body more globally. Just getting to know the body as you breathe. Maybe in an area a little bit larger than where you predominantly feel the breath. Maybe noticing the effect of breathing throughout the body. In some kind of way, using like a peripheral vision or peripheral awareness in whatever way that makes sense to you. But a type of awareness that doesn't get entangled or doesn't get involved with what's happening in the body just noticing as best you can as best you can And if there are obvious ways to relax the body, maybe you can soften some of the holding patterns in the body. You can allow that to happen. 
a soft, gentle letting go, softening, tranquilizing, relaxing, whatever makes sense for you. And if there are areas of the body that don't relax, that's okay. Maybe you can relax about that or soften around it. Just let the experience of breathing, the experience of the body be simple, open, spacious. And now, for this meditation, you can choose to notice any pleasant experiences, whether or not they are strong. They may be just a little corner of your experience. And you choose to place your awareness on that, on those experiences. you'd like, you can in a very simple, very simple, gentle way. Take a few moments to notice if there are subtle ways which you can adjust your breathing to be more pleasant. Maybe the out breath is just a little bit smoother or just a little bit longer. Maybe there's a relaxing at the end of the out-breath. So keeping it a natural breath without making it too contrived. Just very gently exploring. Don't work hard, don't work hard to feel the pleasure of breathing. Or any pleasant sensation. Maybe you can, rather than trying to with a sense of well-being, sense of contentment, sense of ease. Maybe you can relax into it or 
open to it. Maybe there's a lot of uncomfortable sensations. Can there be a certain amount of okayness that you have a practice that you can work with, that you can work with discomfort? without ambition, just noticing whatever pleasure, well-being, contentment, ease, spaciousness you're experiencing. Maybe there's some pleasure in the simplicity or intimacy So meditative pleasure is often connected to stillness, quiet. And in this stillness, in this quiet, we might notice mental activity. Our thoughts arising. Is there a tightness or a contraction associated with thinking? Maybe there's an activity of liking or not liking. A movement of wanting or not wanting. This feeling of, am I doing it right? Should my experience be different? Can we just allow those, that mental activity to be there? But maybe it goes into the background and having the breath or the body be in the foreground. Any idea that these thoughts shouldn't be here or things should be different is extra and can be agitating. 
we're moving towards quiet, calm, peace. We don't need those extra ideas. Just let them float away as best you can. As best you can. then if it's easy enough, in some kind of way, can you relax the mind? In some way, relax the thinking muscle in any way that that makes sense to you. Maybe as you exhale, you can soften and let the mind rest. Letting whatever activity in the mind or energy in the mind or tension in the mind, allowing it to drain away as best you can. And then to end this meditation, the pressure of the chair, the cushion against your body, feel your feet on the ground, and when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. So in that meditation, there's actually quite a lot going on, right? We started with recognizing the breath, and kind of recognizing the body, and then allowing the body to relax or settle, and then feeling any sense of well-being that goes with that, with that settling, in any way that you understand that. And I threw in there that maybe adjust the breath just a tiny bit in order to encourage some sense of well-being, some pleasure. And then as we continue to settle, that mental activity may become highlighted. 
And just to notice that and notice the experience of thinking without getting so caught up in the content. And then as best you can to allow that to settle and relax. Would anybody like to share a comment? How was that? Uh, Instructions? Something you'd like to say? Questions? Brian? Um, I don't do the the single point of focus of the breath that much anymore. So there was some tension in my stomach. I noticed that like the thoughts would come in, I would notice the tension in my stomach, and it was difficult for me to to let go of that tension. Um, yeah, that was that. It was difficult to let go of the I, of which of the tension that was there. Yeah. Every time I had thought come, every time a thought would come in, or I get lost in thoughts. I would notice it would tense up. I'd go to the awareness of that it would tense up right there. Yeah, it's fantastic that you notice this kind of uh, connection. And right, I'm saying as best you can. Sometimes we can't. There's just tension there. And then the practice becomes, can we be okay with there not being okayness? Can we relax around the non-relaxation? And this definitely is a practice, right? Something we have to work with. But thank you for sharing that, Brian. Yeah, thank you for doing that meditation. I think that really helps me, um, especially when you said that as best as you can. I think that definitely helps me because when you said that, trying to calm down your thinking muscle, and in my mind, I was kind of asking my thinking muscle, would you like to be calmed down? And I can feel that part of them said yes and part of them said no. And... When you said as best as you can, I, and I feel like, yeah, that's okay too. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you for sharing that. I think as best you can is so important, right? Otherwise, we have these ideas of how what we're supposed to be. Yes, I always have ideas. <laughs> uh, I was lucky enough to attend a um, retreat with Analio, and it was a wonderful thing, all on the... F- uh, mindfulness of breathing, and there was an image that he created that he presented, kind of many times, having to do with step eight. And they that image was the ability to s- sort of stand back from your thoughts and watch them, but particularly watch them with the kind of character that a mother would watch their children playing in a safe situation that is concerned and gentle and loving but not fussing with it, not messing with these kids that were playing. I think that's just such a wonderful vision. And one of the things, it has also helped me in regaining mindfulness when my mind is going off and I'm walking or something and it just then I can sort of just stop and take a look at all of that mental activity that's going on with a distat- with a detachment and what a wonderful wonderful thing the other thing I was going to say is that I like the the word well-being 
there. I think that's a very good word. And I always want to combine it with safety. Mm. You know, here we are in a room and it's calm and there's nobody's after me for anything at all. All that noise is outside somewhere. And there's a pleasure in just being safe. So anyway, that's enough out of me. Thank you, Stan. That's great. I love this uh, image of a, of a caring but non-meddling parent. Nice, nice. And what uh, you find out, even though at the beginning of the instruction we have that kind of intimacy with the breath, but it's actually a form of detaching. It's a form of a detaching from all of our involvements with our thoughts, and it's kind of like a really a stepping back or stepping, resting in some form, and and not be kind of caught by a lot of to-dos in our bodies or in our mind. And so it's a, a real form of a detaching. I'm glad you kind of really um, picked up that word. Yeah, that, that word shows up again at the later, at the end of the sutta. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. Yeah. Well, we are almost going to the end, so um, we are uh, going to give you a little bit of a homework. It sounds very heavy, but (laughs) don't make it so. Uh, And so uh, last week, um, before uh, the class ended, we uh, kind of uh, suggested one can read uh, the instructions uh, in a form that is a supportive in your practice. I would suggest it maybe uh, doing it almost like a guided meditation for yourself. You know, read a line and then sit for a little bit and read another. You can record yourself if that helps and use that as a guided meditation. Uh, I've done that myself. And sometimes you don't like to if you don't want to hear it yourself, you can maybe ask someone else <laughs> to read it and then listen to it as another option. But uh, I do want to say that and the word sutta, and the literal meaning is that of a thread. And at least there is one of that meaning is a, a thread. And thread in uh, the uh, ancient Indian tradition, even today, um, is a significant, and you know, I, my uh, nieces, and uh, when they when they were born, they wear, um, and, you know, they'll go to the the temple and get a red thread, and maybe some of them attach on the foot, and some on the waist, uh, waist at some point, to some other p- parts of the body, and so it's a, a, in the symbolic, uh, maybe not even symbolic, but it. it it's a representation of a form of an energy. And, so, and sometimes, you know, I'm reading the suttas as if they're kind of a, a form of energy that is being transmitted um, throughout thousands of years and by many practitioners. And so how that 
you know, evoke in the system, in your practice. Use it creatively. (laughs) So uh, that's the homework. And then um, maybe um, read ahead, you know, the the next eight uh, steps in the the instructions. And uh, we will be going through those um, in the next class. And we'll stay here if you have some questions. Otherwise, uh, we wish you all a wonderful afternoon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.